0: are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name.
1: Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning into the 78th episode of Working with the Word. Today we are reading through the fifth and final section of the Gospel of John. We've read about consideration and controversy and conflict and conversation. Now comes the climax of the whole story in the Gospel, the consummation, where all things come together in chapters 18 through 21. We'll do some interpretation and application work and episodes beyond this, but we want to make sure we remind ourselves and do observation as well, of familiarizing ourselves with the text, even just end this whole chunk together. So I'll kick it over to Emerson, who will start off reading John chapter 18 for us today.
0: And just as a reminder, we are using the Christian Standard Bible. So this is John chapter 18. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden. And he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing that everything was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, Was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, saying, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you, I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them, warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews congregate, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, You take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. And I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary.
1: Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, look i'm bringing him out to you to let you know i find no grounds for charging him then jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe pilate said to them here is the man when the chief priests and the temple servants saw him they shouted crucify crucify pilate responded take him and crucify him yourselves since i find no grounds for charging him we have a law the jews replied to him And according to that law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered. If it had not been given you from above, this is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate kept trying to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's seat in the place of the stone pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. He told the Jews, Here is your king. They shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Then he handed him over to be crucified. Then they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put it on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who gets it. This happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken so that their bodies might be taken away. So the soldiers came And broke the legs of the first man, and of the other one who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs, since they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you may also believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. For these things happened, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken." And also another scripture says, They will look at the one they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths and on the fragrant spices, According to the burial custom of the Jews, there was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby.
0: On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At this, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, Why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called Twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name.
1: After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far off from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging their net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there. "'with fish lying on it, and bread. "'Bring some of the fish you've just caught,' Jesus told them. "'So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, "'full of large fish, 153 of them. "'Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. "'Come and have breakfast,' Jesus told them. "'None of the disciples dared ask him, "'Who are you?' because they knew it was the Lord. "'Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. "'He did the same with the fish.' This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you shepherd my sheep he told him he asked him the third time simon son of john do you love me peter was grieved that he asked the third time do you love me he said lord you know everything you know that i love you feed my sheep jesus said truly i tell you when you were younger you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, Follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die, but, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which, if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written.
0: I think reading this last section of John just, it always gives me goosebumps, because it's just such an epic way to end um, the the account of, of Jesus's life. Whenever we do these reading episodes, we always like to kind of go back and summarize with one thing from each chapter that we're observing, one thing that we might want to Study further in chapter 18. As I was reading, I was impressed by, as Jesus is being arrested in the garden, just how in control he is. And like they, the soldiers come in, led by Judas, and they say, "Who are you looking for?" And Jesus actually goes out to them and he meets them. He doesn't hide behind a tree or like push his disciples out in front. And no, he actually goes out to them and he meets them. He's in control. And in fact, his very words, I am he, makes them fall to the ground. And I don't know why that happened, but, but there's something incredible about Jesus's presence and his confidence and his courage in facing what he knows is about to happen. And you also see that before Pilate, right? I mean, when mm-hmm. when he's standing before Pilate being questioned and all these false charges against him, he's just calm, he's cool, he's collected, he, he is not defending himself, but rather he's actually appealing to Pilate. He's talking about truth. He's talking about his kingdom. He's talking about his authority. And so he's he's just in control. And it's just a reminder that um, I think one of the things that we talked about in planning this episode is in chapter 10, he makes the point that no one has taken his life from him, but that he voluntarily lays it down for his sheep. And that's what he's doing here. You see that in these chapters.
1: Right. You see some of that coolness even going into chapter nineteen. Picking off of that a little bit for that kind of thought, the whole process. uh, Jesus is not, you know, losing his temper or getting beside himself as he's carrying his cross or every breath he struggles to take in or anything like that. He's simply focusing on drinking this cup that is fulfilling his father's plan to redeem mankind and thinking about. Just every gospel account obviously focuses on this last week or even these last few moments of Jesus' life leading up to his crucifixion Mm -hmm. and then makes a big emphasis on the resurrection as well. But John has, I think, maybe details that some others don't... and some of the synoptic gospels. And what I mean by that are just the conversations we have with Pilate seem to be a little bit more detailed. Some of the things about mm-hmm. Jesus's side being pierced and evidence it looks like in the latter part of the chapter of, you know, he who saw this testified that it was so that you would believe, you know, the fact that I watched Jesus actually die. Uh, you could even go to the Roman soldiers and they claimed he actually died, you know, the I'm sure we'll get into more of this later, but just the fact that Jesus' death was just as important as his resurrection, because if he doesn't die, then he can't be resurrected. And so all the detail in this chapter just really stands out, and we'll look at that detail and do some interpretation and application here in a couple of weeks about that. But the detail stands out of chapter 19.
0: Yeah. And then in chapter 20, when we're we read about the resurrection and the appearances of Jesus— The thing that stands out to me is that none of his disciples were looking for this to happen. We can go back to chapter 2 when Jesus talks about his resurrection. Way back there, he talks about, you know, destroying this temple and in three days I'll raise it again. The disciples didn't grasp that even at at that time. Even when they go to the tomb, they they don't quite get it. You you might say, well, yeah, the other disciple in verse 8 went and saw and believed. And that's true. He, he believed in some sense, but in verse 9, it says that they did not yet understand the scripture. So I, I think just kind of understanding that Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, she finds it empty. Her first assumption isn't Jesus has been raised. Her first assumption is somebody's taken the body away. <laughs> the gardener did or somebody yeah. like that. Whenever Jesus appears to the 11 or I guess the, the 10 disciples minus Judas and Thomas, they're surprised. They're shocked. And when they report it to Thomas, Thomas doesn't expect it. He, he doesn't take them at their word. He demands, you know, tangible evidence. I need to touch Jesus. And so he doesn't expect it to happen either. And I think that stands out because it, show, it gives us confirmation that it's unlikely that these were fabrications, yeah. that these were just stories made up, that these were claims that developed later on. The disciples didn't expect this to happen at all. They were not predisposed to believe this. Mm-hmm. they came to believe it because they saw evidence but i think again that's emphasized in the gospel that that these people did not believe it first and it took them a while to really grasp and understand what happened believe what happened really fully understand the the uh, ramifications of his resurrection
1: so then we conclude with chapter 21 kind of this epilogue that none of the other gospels have an account of and just the The fact that, again, you're seeing Jesus providing a resurrection experience with his apostles, you see him prepping some of them for some of their future work. There are some things that are kind of almost humorous within these last few chapters, like how John gives Mm -hmm. that little dig at Peter in the previous chapter about how he was faster than Peter or, you know, stuff here— well, one thing that stands out to me in verse 23 is how there was this rumor that was apparently going around that John was going to live for forever. And it's all, I've never caught that before And kind of doing some preparation for this. John's just kind of like, all right, everybody, chill out. Like, You're reading this gospel. <laughs> he may never name himself in it, but if they recognize this being from John, like, listen, I'm not going to live forever. This is just saying that I'm going to have a different fate than Peter does. And obviously that whole scene with Peter is just a a very intense and emotional moment as well as we see a lot of these crucifixion or resurrection experiences being, but like you mentioned, this is just a cool section is very much an understatement of this, Mm -hmm. this final section of John, like whether it's goosebumps or just, this is really the core of it all. So we're really looking forward to getting into these chapters more over the next few weeks to wrap up the series.
0: So we want to leave you with a simple challenge today, and that is just go back and reread these chapters for yourself and note what you learned from these chapters, just simple observations. They don't have to be the same things we've offered, but what do you see in these chapters? You might note one thing for each chapter like we did, or just after reading these four chapters, just one thing overall. Just go back and reread them, refresh yourself, or just read them for the first time if this is the first time you're... Coming in contact with them, what do you learn from these chapters? And again, we'll we'll dig into these chapters as we go forward. Very l- much looking forward to that.
1: Thank you for tuning into Working with the Word today. Next week we'll dive into Chapter 18, focus on Jesus's arrest and his trial. Until then, if there are questions, topics, or books of the Bible or difficult passages you'd like for us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook at Working with the Word on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com That's all one word,
0: workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory
1: both now and to the day of eternity.